Welcome to the NV Dog Training Podcast. I'm Niall Barnes, I'm a professional dog trainer and it's my job to help people create the life that they want with their dogs. I specialise in pet dogs and preventing and resolving behavioural issues. We will be using this podcast as a platform to help as many people as possible by providing advice and support based on my experiences as a trainer, but also by pulling in expertise from trainers, vets and all sorts of other professionals from the canine field. So whether you're a trainer, an owner, or you just have an interest in dogs, the NB Dog Training Podcast is the show for you. It's available wherever you get your podcasts from, or if you prefer to watch as well as listen, we're also over on YouTube. Just search for NB Dog Training. Welcome to the MB Dog Training Podcast. So episode one, really excited for all of the things that are going to come in this series. I'm here with producer Matt. He's going to be helping me with some of these episodes. We're here at QPod in Oldham, which is fantastic podcast recording studio. So if anyone does need any podcast doing, this is where you, where you need to come. So cheers for, for joining me, Matt. Thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And I just want to say I'm really glad that you got in touch to do this podcast because it's a fascinating subject. At QPod, I want to work with people and on projects that I find genuinely interesting. And I think this whole topic is fascinating. Yeah. So I'm going to help you out with this one as a guest, but more often than not, I'll be in the background. But I can't wait to learn from you and your experiences about dogs, dog training, dog behavior and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a rabbit hole. It's one of those things you start, you hear someone talking about it and you, you might not even find, feel like you're that interested, but all of a sudden, you're like, I need tell me more, tell me more. I've had conversations with people that don't have dogs, and I've got, I've, you know, I've got going, and I've started chatting, and then I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm babbling. They're like, no, no, say more, say more. I want a dog, and they didn't before the, the conversation, and it's it is, it's just one of those bottomless subjects where you there's just always more to learn and more to more to find out. So that's part of why I want the podcast up and running is that I want to bring on people to this podcast that know things that I don't, and that can give us tips and experiences from from their side of of, of training so for myself i'm a, a behavior specialist i guess i deal with dogs that are causing problems for their owners and making life difficult mainly pet dogs who maybe have behavioral issues they're reactive they've got separation anxiety and the owner doesn't know how to fix it and they've been on youtube they've been on google and nothing really works for them that's where i come in but then I'm I'm really big on prevention, so a lot of the the issues I go to, I just think it didn't need to be like this if you'd have only known X, Y, and Z. So something I really want to push on the podcast is how to get those preventive pre preventative measures in where people don't know what they don't know, and can we tell them before they need to know so it's not too late. So if we can bring on people that have that experience and know more than I do, they can come on and teach me, and hopefully by by teaching me we'll also teach all of you guys out there which hopefully will help lots of dogs and lots of people i think this is one of the reasons that i got interested in dogs and dog trainers without having a dog years ago season milan was the was the one who was on tv yeah. yeah but there's that correlation between dogs and people so like dogs are in people's lives and we've had dogs and humans have been interacting with each other for thousands of years but they're social animals they're pack animals pack animals we're social animals we're pack animals there's actually a correlation in there, I think, because behaviour, psychology, 
we're not as I don't think we're exactly as far separated as people might think no. we are and so there is that there's that connection so that's something I'm really interested in, in learning about and going on that journey of learning is something that that's why I'm into podcasts as, as someone who produces horse my own podcast you go on a journey of learning with yeah. your audience and so I'm re- that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is figuring out, is learning more from you about the the, the, the psychological relationship between between people and, yeah. and dogs. Yeah, I think we, we're learning more and more that we're closer than we think in terms of the way we learn, the way we behave. There's obviously there's many many differences, but I don't think there's as many as we used to think. That you know the science is changing all the time. What we used to think, you know, they're just a domesticated wolf or they're just a, a small wolf, like they're so far from that now and there's so many differences that that you know they're moving further from wolf and closer to human all the time but mm. i don't think they were ever actually as difficult uh, as different as we think and if you can teach a person where the similarities are they find it way easier to empathize with the dog so you guys will look at your dogs and you're always kind of wondering what are you thinking and sometimes you feel like i know what you're thinking but then other times you're not so sure mm. and something i i feel like i do well and i really enjoy doing is helping people see it from their dog's perspective by telling them well if you were in a situation like this how would you feel and usually the answer isn't that different they're not usually that far apart and i think the the only major sort of difference in terms of how they learn is they're so in the moment everything's if you don't capture it now or in the first second and a half of it happening your dog doesn't learn anything about it from you they learn about it from themselves but they don't learn don't learn from you whereas for myself I can be told about it later so if I you know I do this podcast with Matt and then he he rings me later and say oh there was something you forgot to say I'll learn from that tomorrow yeah whereas the dog they've just got to learn from it now yeah and that's the that's the big difference and if you can get someone to wrap their head around that timing and that sort of mentality you'll never miss by much because a lot of people they're just they're thinking too much like themselves and emotionally speaking they're probably not far off but sometimes it's just the timing Mm. that's 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 off because the they think i could learn about it six hours later three days later the dog learns about it now or never mm. and that's where sometimes people are like, oh they're not like you they're not like a human they really are but then in certain really important ways they're absolutely not yeah i think um like behavior is a it's a broad subject and obviously our interaction b- between each other as species and as people is our behavior affects that and but we carry things in our because on what i'm leading to here is i want to ask you about how you got into dog training mm. But I know that what you did before, there was definitely some similarities. And, you, you, you know, dogs carry trauma. They carry memories. They, they're affected by things that have happened to them in, the, in their past, just like yeah. we are. And, and, and all that stuff has an impact on how we interact and behave with other people and other animals. And so you have some grounding in an understanding in, hu- in, in that in humans and in dogs, don't you? So just tell us about how you got yeah, in, what so, you were doing before and how you got into it. Yeah, so I, I always said that the job I do, and I'd said this from a kid, and my dad always sort of, my dad always pointed this out about me. Whatever I was going to do was going to be helping people. And I, was, I wanted to be a nurse or a doctor or something along those lines to begin with, and I was sort of heading towards that. I used to do care work for people with learning disabilities, uh, elderly, dementia, uh, acquired brain injury, and all sorts of other sort of people who needed support. And I really enjoyed that. I loved doing it, but I felt like the impact was very, 
very localized and I could only help so much. And I felt like I could only do it for so long before I wanted more. So then I went into running some volunteering schemes with the council where I would help help people who were a bit lonely, find people who were really lonely, and they would then support those people and sort of help them with social isolation. And I felt like I'm having a bigger impact. And then I went into early help social work, which was where I thought, right, I'm really gonna be able to help here in that there's people that are on a collision course with something really bad in terms of either kids that were gonna be taken away from parents if they didn't change the way that they were they were parenting them, people who were gonna lose the houses if they didn't fix up with the finances and the bills and that kind of thing, people who were heading towards major addiction that maybe needed guiding off that path. And I was there as a prevention measure. I just felt over time, especially with things becoming more and more about paperwork and, and covering your, your ass when it comes to what you did in that job, it was more about getting the paperwork done than helping the people. And that it started to really affect me. And I wasn't doing what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't, I was seeing the people that needed help and I was unable to help them because I was so tied up in paperwork and there were so many limitations on what I could actually do. And I could, I could see, I can fix this problem for you, but my hands are tied and I couldn't. And eventually it led to the point where I, I realized I was miserable and it was affecting the relationship I was in at the time. And and after that, after after me and me and that girl had split up, I then I was back in that job. And then I eventually had like a year off with like real mental health issues where I couldn't get out of bed. I'd I'd wake up in the morning and just think, nope. And I had to be in the office by ten, and it was nine fifty nine if I was going. Like mm -hmm. I'd be every second. I was terrified of going in because I knew what it was going to do to me mentally and, and emotionally. And I thought, right, I can't do this anymore. And I started combining what was already an ongoing passion for dogs and all the learning that I'd done with that. I realized that could be how I help people and help dogs, which is obviously an amazing side benefit. But it was originally, I always wanted a job that helped, helped other people. And I thought, well, I have enough knowledge now because I'd wanted to get my own dogs right. I didn't, I'd, I'd, and I got addicted to learning it, which is very much me. I'm a very addictive personality, which we'll talk about in uh, as we go through. I'm sure it's something you'll learn about me. I get obsessed with stuff, and I'd got obsessed with dog training to the point where I knew too much to just have my own dog. And I thought, this is how I can help folk. Started offering it out while I was doing my old job, and there was just this take up on it and then word of mouth from the people that had helped spread and I started realizing there's something here and eventually that meant I wasn't doing the paperwork at my old job anymore. I was still trying to help people, but I wasn't doing the paperwork. I wasn't showing up as much. I wasn't I wasn't doing it properly. And eventually they just sort of went, right, you know, it's it's probably time to go. And I had a union rep that was fighting it with me. He's like, no, no, we're gonna fight this. And I was just like, I remember Phil, I, I really like him, really get on with him. I just said, Phil, just let me go. Just. And he's like, we might be able to get you a payout. We might be, I just don't want to, yeah. I just want to forget that it happened like because yeah. of the emotions. I just don't want to have to keep fighting it. And the the dog training was starting to to pick up where I could realize it was, a vi it was financially viable. And I told my partner, God bless her. She sort of, I came downstairs and told her my job was gone. And I think it was like a pivotal moment in like my, my life. She just went, okay. And didn't panic, which, She's a bit of a panicker, but for some reason she didn't. I just thought, oh, she, she, she believes in me. She kind of trusts that I've, can, I've got this. And that was the moment where I went, right, I'm going all in. And I started setting up the business and, and really going into it. And it was it was that moment where I, she just didn't panic. And for someone that, and she's gonna watch this and she's, she's not gonna disagree with it. 
she she's not great in a crisis she likes to plan and have everything figured out whereas i'm very like, much more reactive and i like i'm I, I, I always feel like i'm good in a crisis but she just looked at me and didn't panic there was no fear in her eyes like not how are we going to pay our bills how are we going to have to look after the kids how it was just okay and that was right i've got this i can do this and she was right i could but now i get to live this amazing life where i get to do what it was that i always wanted mm -hmm. to do but i get to combine it with like you know fighting about with dogs all day and meeting all these puppies and seeing these dogs learn and all the rest of it and it all it all came down to like you said it was past trauma that got me there mm. and if i hadn't have had that job and that year out i don't think i'd have ever found my way to to where i am now and it it's like it's that sort of you know it's, it's very corny but like you know adversity makes you stronger if what doesn't kill you make you strong makes you stronger it did because now i know if i can handle that i can handle anything and also if i hadn't have had that I don't get what I've got now and I'd still be stuck in that loop mm. and where you like you said behavior that, that sort of loop of behavior there is a big loop there, that I talk about a lot the behavior loop it's something I'm sure I'll cover in episodes on the podcast I was in one it's so you know what this is this is why I love what I do mm. because I get to talk to people and I get to hear about their life and their story and what a lot of what you're saying now resonates with me and my own experience what we got, it was it was podcasting that got me out of a loop out of a situation that i was in a, a crisis you were in a bit of a crisis mm. by the sounds of it it wasn't it wasn't you know when you say about um it was coming into this the dogs i think probably your partner looked at where you were and thought well he's in a bad place already and if this is gonna like help him get out yeah. of it so it was dogs that that were that you know, we're not a lot of people get a dog and that helps them with loneliness and all this kind of stuff. But I recognise so much of what you're saying there mm. from my own personal experience. I know that a lot of people listening will, will will as well. A lot of our experiences are very similar. They're different context they're in a different yeah. context, but we've actually most of us have been through something similar. I guess it's the same with dogs, really. Yeah, massively. So like well, like you said, I've I've said everything I've said there, and there's gonna be a bunch of people watching this that can at least sort of relate to some of it or and they've, they've been in similar situations themselves maybe they're in it now and like you said they're on it's just it's the same problems the same loops just in a different color with a different you know with a different paint on it the, the it's the same with dogs in that there's only so many differences in where the behaviors come from there's only so many differences in the behaviors displayed and the emotions that the dogs feel it's for us then as dog trainers and as owners i guess to figure out what those are and it's so much more difficult because i've just sat here and as long as a human's capable of being open which i've just been there someone like if you were a therapist for example you're gonna go right i've got all sorts to go yeah. off here i can fix this and i can help you whereas with a dog it's so much harder because you can't ask so how do you figure it out where where do you hone in on or how do you hone in on the on an issue a really good question i tend to start not looking at the dog because the the owner has the answers or, or they they might not know they have the answers and i recognize it's always of patterns there's so many patterns that i try and figure out are you following any of these patterns that i've seen in the past and if they start to say well yeah 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 and then i start to notice and the, the, the longer i do this the more of a depth of sort of previous cases i've got and more precedent i've got i tend to so for like a, just an example and this is going to be useful for anyone with a puppy and 
I, I see this one all the time. Like one of the most common things I hear people say to me, right, I've got, a, you know, I got a puppy. Everything was great. It, you know, it was fantastic. His recall was amazing until about nine months old. And then it stopped being amazing. And now it's rubbish. And it was because they let them off the lead too early. They went to say hello to everything and everyone and their dog just learned, oh, this is just what I do when I go out. I go and say hello to everything. I chase everything. I go say hi to everyone. I go play with all the dogs. And then they get to that sort of nine month old mark, sometimes a little bit older if it's a, if it's a big dog. And then the recall just goes completely out the window because it never really existed. The dog never had a good recall. It, it was just young. and I saw you, so you, you posted about uh, yeah, this on social about media. This yeah. it's, it's one of the biggest loops I see. So mm. I wanted to get that video up just so people could hopefully avoid it themselves. But that would be my way of finding out first, why is this happening? I'm not looking at the dog and going, oh, he's running around doing everything because given the chance, most dogs would. But if I can ask the owner you know, a few of those questions. So when he was young, how, long, how old was he off the lead, for example? And they go, uh, oh yeah, from really, really early on because he was dead good off the lead. That's it, I've got my answers. Yeah, I know how to approach this now. We need to rebuild that structure and start from scratch and so on and so forth. It's the same with reactivity. I've got a bunch of questions that I'll ask the owner first before I look at the dog because I need to know what have they been doing because that's the bit I can control. I can control what they do. I can't control what the dog does and neither can they and how the dog feels and the decisions the dogs make. You can't control them. You can control what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're allowing, how you hold yourself, how you speak. You can you can control so much, mm. but you can't control the dog until you control what you're doing. So mm. I always start with owners because I know the patterns. And then if they say, you know, if they answer all the questions and like they've got everything right and they haven't been doing any of the things that I've seen in the past and I don't have I've not, something that I've not learned about, then I'll start, right, well, let's look at this dog. Let's see if I can see what it's feeling. You know, then I'll start to read the body language. Then I'll start to to unpick what I'm seeing because it's so much harder than because I've asked the owner and they've got nothing for me. And maybe as I, you know, as I learn, I might have more questions to ask them that I've maybe not thought of asking that, that will help me in the future. But I don't look at the dog because even though I'm a, a dog trainer and I specialize in it, that body language can only tell you so much mm. because... It is just body language and a human can tell you a lot with the body language as well but how much easier is it when they just say words and they just spell it out in a sentence you're never going to get that from a dog so i always like to get the sentences out the human and then sort of if they're doing absolutely everything that that i feel like they should and they've not been doing any of the common mistakes then right let's move on let's look at this dog and let's just get stuck in anyway and we'll try and read what we can from the dog see mm. do they look frustrated do they look anxious do they do they look just flat out aggressive and and build the picture from there. And that will be part of it regardless, but I always like to get the, the human side of it first because that's what I'm going to change. I'm not going to change the dog, I'm going to change the human. Do most of the people who hire you to train their dog, you know, in inverted commas, train their dog, are they open to you training them or retraining them uh, or does it come with some resistance sometimes? You get some resistance. Typically, there'll be like... This is just going off my experience, but typically there'll be a wife who's booked me and an husband that really couldn't be bothered with me being there and it, it's fine for them, so they're not that bothered and they'll push back and they won't want to put the effort in. I've had it the other way around, but typically it's wife booked, husband's just kind of sat there watching telly. Mm. And it was the same in early help. That was something I really noticed. I'd have a, you know, I'd be doing these sessions and we'd have to drag the dad home, dra drag the dad in and get them to be on board. Um, yeah, we get some pushback there, but then also there's some people that, you know, they've maybe been captured by an ideology in, to in dog training that, you know, they've got a, a trainer that they follow or a page that they follow and the, 
they're stuck to that way of doing it and it's got them into a, a pickle because it's not applicable to their dog and there's some pushback there but I find that a lot of people especially because the more people will book me now it's because of like the social media side I like to put these videos out to help people I do find that when I go to people they've already had something useful from me that worked it's just a reel on on, on Instagram or they message me about message me about something and I give them a bit of advice there tends to be a little bit of all right actually so they trust you from the from the start kind yeah. of thing and at, early on I didn't have that mm. because I just didn't have the you know the 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 proof that I could do the job I guess yeah. I had to go out and get that but now I can show them a video of a dog that looks like theirs with a before and after yeah. so someone that booked me this week said my German Shepherd's causing havoc you know dragging me down the street I can't walk and now what do I do and I said right well let's book in and I explained you know I sent her the, the options for booking in and all the rest of it and I just tagged on the end a German Shepherd pulling a lady off her feet down the street mm. that was 25 minutes later under control walking quite nicely a lot more relaxed and not being a problem and the girl just went right yeah cool she's going to trust me from there but early on there was so much more pushback because I didn't know as much so and in, in that instance then with that German Shepherd was it was it was it fixed by what the owner did I started doing so it was just lead work that we did with that dog something that you know I do every day it's like the bread and butter I did a few things showed the owner how to do the things she started doing them, did them slightly wrong because what she watched wasn't what happened on her body. Like anyone that's ever tried like learning a new skill, you watch someone else do it and go, I can do that. And then yeah. it's not the same. Like I watch videos of golfers and I'm like, ah, that's, I can do that actually. I know what he did there. I figured it out. And then I go and try and replicate it. It's not the same. So I, but then I'm there to say, just hold your hand here. Just relax this arm. Just don't tense up so much. Just whatever it is that they needed to hear. And within... 25 minutes this woman was doing the right things and the dog was following suit and she now has the skills that had to to progress it and then it's just my job to keep her skills progressing yeah and her knowledge progressing and the dog just follows on and her getting into good habits then rather than slipping back into yeah. the because that's it that's the thing we're the same aren't we habits are what form the behavior ultimately mm. and we it's it, it's january now and it's it's the you know <laughs> new, year, new, new year's year. Revel, all that stuff and it, w w sometimes we, we we we're good for a week or two yeah. and then we slip back don't we it's, yeah. it's hard work it's hard yeah. developing good habits isn't it from yeah bad ones. i think and that, that's something i'm trying to work on more so like a good habit for me is to try and hold people a bit more accountable this like this year going forward i've changed the way it works you don't book sessions anymore you work with us for like a period of time two months four months six months mm. whatever and in that, I'm always, I want people to be texting me really frequently. Like, am I doing this right? Just, I've got this video of me doing what we talked about. Is it right? And I can just go, oh yeah, that's great. Just drop your arm or just whatever. And then they, they keep progressing. But I feel like there was, that was something I wasn't holding other people accountable. And if I'm not holding them accountable, life's going to get them in the same way that like, if I decided I wanted to get really fit, I know for a fact, I'm gonna have to pay someone a fortune to get on my case because I don't have the habit yet. Yeah. So I need someone to be there poking me for the habit until the habit blooms. Mm. And which is why as of yet, I haven't managed to get myself in great shape because I know that about myself. And I know if I want to do it, I'm going to have to have someone else that, mm. you know, it's in my ear all, mm. and messaging me with check-ins and accountability. And that's something I want to start doing more of this year because just having that, all right, Niall's going to be coming for a session soon and you know we need to have done this and he's already helped us by messaging and saying yeah let's just change this so by the time the session comes along they've 
been putting the work in and i feel like it was easy before where i was just doing sessions where people book a session and then they book another session if they'd not done their homework they just wouldn't book the other session and then it'd fall by the wayside yeah. no i think it's i think that's an interesting way of looking at it and the right way of looking at it because like you take a dog on hopefully for, for the duration of that dog's life or your life mm. it's a long-term thing and these days we sort of tend to want quick fixes to everything yeah. and it's not always the not always the case mm. so if you want to invest in your happiness your dog's happiness your dog's health your health and all the all the good things that come from from having a dog i think it and you and you are struggling mm. it sounds like that's a good way of doing it and, and investing some time some energy some money yeah. into getting it right for for the long term yeah it's one of those like it's this it's if you do it now and if you get it right now and you build good habits you got them now they're a they're a they're an asset that you have so you're you you're, i suppose if you like if you work with a trainer that works the way i've set it up going forward you're working with someone that's going to be building some habits with you that you then own and mm. knowledge that you then own that the idea is that then you don't need me you know the stuff and you can do the stuff yourself that's kind of how how i want to go about work now is that i teach a human to have the habits that the dog needs them to have because it's no good me being able to do it with the dog i'm a dog trainer i should be able to do it i should know how to how to hold the lead and where to deliver a treat and how to time a marker or a clicker or a mm. or a correction or a, a, a whatever i should know these things and it i have those habits and i, th I imagine they're much stronger in, in myself than most because i'm doing it with different sizes of dog different timing different weights different breeds different so i've generalized those skills but then it's my job to try and get the owner to to a point where their habits their you know their mind micro habits especially don't need conscious thought they just happen without the owner having to you know think right am i doing this? and all of a sudden the brain's overwhelmed because they're trying to imagine trying to drive so that you drive i drive you do drive don't you mm -hmm. yeah. you drive imagine trying to back out of a driveway how ridiculously difficult that task actually is if you think about it you've got to know how to work the clutch and the gear stick and then you've got to be able to go backwards either looking over your shoulder or looking in mirrors work watching out for traffic keeping the car straight all while thinking about sort of where you're going once you turn the, it's ridiculous the amount of things your brain would explode but it doesn't people back out the driveway every day which is such an incredibly complex task but they don't find it difficult they're listening to the radio and the they're thinking about what they're going to have for lunch when they get to work they're not thinking about right i need to put this gear stick to it just happens and that's something i i find that if i can give people those habits now they own them they're, they're theirs they're they're in there and their dog will benefit from them and that's where if you're working with a trainer for like say at least sort of two months is like the mini minimum will do now you're getting long enough to actually form and create habits whereas if you're working with a trainer for an, for three hours one day you're not going to get a habit out of that no and, and, it, and it, for you as well from a professional point of view and from a personal point of view you know then that the likelihood of success and doing what you want to do which is fix the problem mm. and and leave people in a better place you're, you're more likely to to have that result aren't you yeah and yeah. that but that's so you you're not frustrated as somebody's like I've done this for a few hours and yeah. you know I'm going to get a call in however long or it's mm. not worked and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, that because that, that, and that's something I imagine every dog trainer will find it and a lot of trainers that do like boarding trains where they take the dog for four, six, eight weeks, whatever, they'll put habits in the dog and they'll then try and teach the owner. Well, a good board and train will at least try and teach the owner. I know some just give it back 
and the dog has all these great habits, but the owner doesn't know how to how to trigger them. And so a trainer where you're working with them for, for a period of time and they're helping you learn, because that's, I always think my strongest skill is educating people, not training dogs. I can, if I, if I feel like if I could learn any skill, I should be, I'll be able to teach it to someone else. That's what I feel like my strength is. If I can give the person that, that knowledge, but then I'm with them for long enough to internalize it so that they don't need to think it anymore. I can then add in the next piece of knowledge on top of it and you can start to layer it. Mm. So, right, we're, we're in episode one and it was always gonna happen at some point. I'm gonna talk about golf. <laughs> obsessed. It's the other again, thing it's you're obsessed addictive, with. My yeah, yeah, addictive yeah. personality. Once I started getting into it, I had lessons with, so the lad who coaches me, Joe, he's amazing. You know, he's, I was calling my golf Yoda. and what he did really well because I'd had lessons in the past and it was kind of I left with more questions and answers he just went right we're going to focus on the first nine inches of your backswing and until that's right we don't need to worry about what's next and I went away and internalized this habit and everything got a little bit worse and then it got a bit better and better than it had been before and then he went right we're going to work on the halfway up the backswing and we're going to make sure and he'd just add in bits but it wasn't he wouldn't add something else on top until the bit that I needed was baked in so I didn't mm. have to think about it so that he could add something else. And if you try adding it all at once, you can only think about one thing at once. It's like we were talking about before about January, New Year's resolution. Everyone's like, right, so I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to give up food. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do a million things that I don't do already uh, at once. It just doesn't happen, does it? That yeah. You've got to do, like you said, do one thing and then build your way yeah. up from yeah. there. Once you're not thinking about it, add something else. Yeah. And that works on technical movement like like a golf swing or like handling a dog but it also works on habits yeah so habits that people get into do you have to think about you know brushing your teeth in the morning do you have to think about the you know putting the bin out do you have to most of these things they're just they're just kind of there now and, the, and there'll be times where you're like have i brushed my teeth have i did i lock the door did I? Yeah, and because you, you're you so it, used to doing it, but you, you don't on, even think. You're on autopilot and yeah. autopilot, especially in dogs, it's massive. So many dogs do things on autopilot. And if we can break that autopilot, yeah. you start to get all sorts of progress. And a lot of dogs are just doing things mindlessly because it's the same every day for mm -hmm. a dog. Our lives, uh, some people have very, very, very predictable lives. They live the same day over and over again. Other people, so like me, I don't live the same day over and over again. I'm doing all sorts of different stuff. But there's some parts of it that are always the same. A dog, they very much live the same life over and over again because yeah. there's only so many variables to a dog's life. They're in yeah. the house, they're going to walk, there's only so many places the walk goes. Yeah. You're not going to do anything that different. Like, their lives are very, very samey. Yeah. And while that creates a lot, for a lot of dogs that creates a sense of like confidence that they know what's going to happen, they know what to expect. There's then some dogs where they're on so much of an autopilot that now they're not using any mental energy to, to, to get through the day. So they're bored because they mm. have a hundred percent charged up mental battery that they don't need to use at all because mm. the whole purpose of autopilot and that, you, you know, your subconscious running those programs for you is to save energy. Imagine if you had to think about every step that went into making a cup of coffee. Every time you did it, you have to know, right, do I have to get up? I have to go to the kitchen. I have to open the cupboard. I have to get the cup out. I have to take the lid off the kettle. Like there's, there's 50 steps in making a cup of coffee if you break it down enough, but you don't, you just make the cup of coffee and it doesn't use any mental energy to do it for you. So you're free to think about important stuff like planning a podcast or, you know, deciding on what you're going to do with your weekend or whatever. A dog, 
internalizes that much that they now have a full mental bandwidth ready to use on stuff and nothing to use it on because they're living the same day over and over again and that's something i'm really big on fixing with people is going to people and saying right where'd you walk the dog and then they tell me the route of that walk and i'm like mm. you might as well not go like for what it's worth you don't you're not you're not even scraping the surface on what your dog needs mm. because if I was to, if you were to let go of the lead, they'd probably walk the route of that walk and just meet you at home. Like mm. they're, they're stuck on such an autopilot. So we're, we, we as dog trainers know that mental stimulation, physical exercise are such a, they're the, the, the foundation that behavioral issues sit on. We want those things fixed first. Is your dog getting enough mental stimulation? Is it getting enough physical exercise? And people say, oh yeah, walk him. And I'm like, right, okay, yeah. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I walk him twice a day and it's like, great, but it's the same walk. So it used next to no energy phys men mentally. Physically, just walking in a straight line doesn't tire your dog out. Mm -hmm. So the benefits of that walk weren't as big as the time that you invested in it. And something something we push as dog trainers all the time is trying to get that that mental stimulation. And sometimes it just comes down to doing stuff that you don't normally do. It's like, for what I'm thinking about what you said about this is like, consistency is really important, but... It, it can't verge over into like the comfort zone. It's you, you've, you've, so you've got to find ways of being consistent or being inconsistently consistent, yeah. I guess. In it's a beautiful way of putting it, inconsistently consistent. I, I, did, there is, I did a video about this a while ago and I was saying consistency is the worst thing in the world depending on which way you're going. Mm. And if you're consistently doing good habits, that's great. But if you're consistently just doing the same thing over and over on repeat and it's neither good nor bad, you're not using anything out of your dog, you might as well not bother. Mm. If you're doing things wrong consistently, obviously the consistency and the compounding of those bad habits you know it can really drag you down and the consistency of good habits can can bring you up it's it's consistency and routine sometimes get confused we don't want routine that's just completely set we want consistency and consistency and structure but that isn't we do this at eight o'clock we do this at three o'clock we do yeah. this at five o'clock and we do it in this way and it's always the same yeah. and the dog because as soon as you do something different the dog's brain is going to fall off because there's no resilience in the dog yeah. because it does what to expect so things consistency things like exercise s stimulation rest those kind of things but then there's like sub headings of yeah. sort of types of exercise yeah. types of um mental stimulation yeah. all these different same for all of us you know like we we, we need that variety yeah. majority of it's like us. a lot of like exercise programs they'll do they'll do a cycle so i know like crossfit do this they'll do a cycle of things and then once everyone in the in the sort of the gym has been through that cycle they don't do it again because everyone's gonna be bored of it now they switch it up and they work on a whole different set of movements and a whole different set of things yeah. and they'll get back to what they did again and they will do it again but they'll they'll do it in blocks yeah. because yes, they're consistently exercising. We're not doing the exact same exercise over and over. They're working the way around different movements and different, different sort of types of movement. And it's the same with dog training. If, if you're just doing the exact same thing over and over again, after a while it becomes, you, you get that diminishing returns of yeah. you're putting in the effort, but you're not getting what you used to get out of it. You need to switch something up. And I think as, as dog owners and as humans, we are creatures of routine and habit. And sometimes it really goes against you when you've got a dog. If you've been doing the same things over and over again for the last year and a half with your dog, something's going to have to switch up mm. or they're going to become a, a robot that's just following a pre-programmed day. And then as soon as anything changes, they're going to become really difficult to live with because they've suddenly woken up out of the matrix and mm. like, oh my god 
we don't usually walk this way. Or you imagine you move house, or yeah. what, like if you have multiple dogs and one passes away, or yeah, yeah. a family, you, you know, you get and things will change at some point. Yeah. Won't it? It's inevitable. And then isn't the it? dog has no resilience because yeah. you move, you know, you move your partner in with you that you've you've met, and they come with their dog, and all of a sudden your dog's mind just falls out of its ears because, oh, hang on, <laughs> I've been living in this this very very comfortable loop, and I've not been I've not woken up. The movie Click. Have you seen the Adam Sandler one with the remote? Not again, so he has a remote for life and he the more he repeats stuff the more he starts realising he's fast forwarding through big chunks of his life because right. it's the, the remote like internalises stuff for him so he's like oh you already know how to do this we're going to yeah. skip through it yeah. there's like a scene where like his wife and it's Kate Beckinsale and he realises that he's had sex with her and he's had it that many times that the remote just goes right we don't need to be <laughs> so he doesn't get to enjoy it anymore because the remote skips it out Yeah, and that's kind of what it's like you yeah, live in an yeah, autopilot yeah. and dogs yeah. autopilot for dogs is a killer when yeah. it comes to yeah. trying to mentally stimulate them because you might as well not have bothered doing it because yeah. they, they don't remember anyway because it was the same as the day before and the day before and the day yeah. before well i'll tell you what let's see if if that is the reason for some of these questions here so yeah. you you got some questions off some of your followers yeah and i'm going to ask you them um <clears throat> so let's start with the first one here so tips on recall my dog is not interested in me when we leave the house but she's great inside so what's yeah so what's going on there yeah so this is that's just that that's one person's asked that question but it's one that like yeah i saw the time as, as trainers recalls this big thing everyone wants a dog that comes back so if you've got a dog that you want to come back from a distance and choose you over other things part of it is you need to teach that skill so make sure that you know you start really close and you, you so like without without being able to show the, the the technical steps of it it's not that difficult the recall's not that deep in terms of teaching the movement, you would say your dog's name, say, come to me here, pickles, whatever the word is going to be that you want to assign to that particular action of coming towards you. And then you basically just walk backwards really quickly so your dog follows you. And then when they follow you, you stop and reward them and tell them that they're amazing. And they start to go, all oh, right, if I hear that word, I do this task. And you start really close to your dog and you work your way out. But if you teach them that skill and they understand the assignment, that doesn't mean that they're going to do it once there is a competing motivator, once there's something out there, squirrel, another dog, a person, fox poo, whatever it is that's ca captured your dog's instincts or sometimes I just learn behavior. They know that people will give them biscuits in the park and whatever. You're going to lose that battle because you're going to ask them to do a behavior that they kind of like, but it's not going to compete. And what I often recommend people do is figure out where is all the value with your dog. Find out what is it that really drives them mad. What would they kill for inside the house at least? And then stop giving it them and make sure that they can only achieve it through doing recall. So I spoke mm. with, so someone I was speaking to the other day was talking about, she's got, um, so Rachel Bean, someone she, I'm going to try and get on the podcast. She's amazing. She's, got all of the experience in the world i've spoke to her she's, she's agreed to come on so she'll be she'll be a great guest she was saying she's got fox red lab obsessed with tennis ball that's it job's done but she says that dog very rarely gets the tennis ball now unless it's completed so she's doing like tracking with it at the minute and scent work the reward for successfully indicating on the scent or for tracking the thing that it was supposed to track is the tennis ball easy to train but she said i don't have a recall problem with that dog because it knows that the only real way it's going to get the tennis ball is coming back when it's called or doing the scent work that she's working on with it and it's the same for if you want recall if you've got a dog that you think right i really want it to come back to me i really want there to be the ability to let them off lead safely they need to know that the way to get whatever it is that they're mad on 
is only through doing that. And I think sometimes people give the dog, you know, leftovers from tea and they'll give them a, a, a chew stick of a pig's ear and they'll give them sausages and they'll go out for, for a meal and get them a, you know, a dog sausage and whatever. And after a while, the dog's like, I get stuff. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So why am I going to come running back from 80 yards away when I'm busy rolling in, yeah. you know, cow poo and having the best day? Yeah. Why am I going to stop doing that to come back to you? And yeah. unless you can offer them something that they can, that they are desperate for and can't achieve elsewhere. So it's about building the value by dropping supply and demand. It's about dropping yeah. that demand of, I've written some from my, for Albus. I got a tug toy. It's like, it's basically like a, it's a, a ball on a rope with a handle and the handle's that bungee in it and he can like grab on it and tug. It's like crack to him. Yeah. He, he'll do anything for it, <laughs> but it isn't lying around in my front room mm. and I'm not just playing fetch with him in the house. That is after he's walked past a dog that I'm training that's going mad at him. Mm. He gets that after he's walked past it successfully without distracting it. Mm. He gets that after he does a recall when there was a squirrel. He mm. does that. So he has to show me some epic stuff to get to do that. But what you're saying there is about your discipline as much as anything as the as, yeah. as the as the as the human in the relationship you're you have to be disciplined and maintain those yeah. behavior that's the consistency thing yeah. so you have to be mindful of i can't give him this now i've got to behave yeah. in that structured way for the benefit yeah. of the dog that's a, yeah very good point so i had i was talking to to someone yesterday and they were saying the dog's food motivated but she was also saying like he's the, you know, the, I think the, I think he had a sausage roll that day or something like something ridiculous, and I just thought, well, how are you going to teach him like later to do stuff that you like? And it is just that they love the dog that much, and like I, I understand it, I yeah, get it, yeah. of course I do, but they love the dog that much that they just want to keep giving and doting and mm. and you know giving the dog the things it likes. But sometimes it's just about making sure that those things are assigned to. The correct time. But generally speaking, parents don't do that with their kids, do they? They don't. You have the parents. Generally speaking, have that discipline mm. with their kids. Don't give them all the snacks, all the treats that they want. Don't let them do whatever they want because yeah. they, they they need discipline. So it's really like we yeah. started off at the beginning of the podcast talking about the similarities. Mm. It's really the yeah. same. Raising kind of thing, a kid isn't and it? raising a dog, uh, frighteningly similar in so many ways. Like they're they're so so similar. Obviously some of the context changes and some of the, you know, the defining words change, but the the theory is so similar in so many ways. And especially with kids, they're very much more in the moment than, a, than an adult is. So I've got a two-year-old. I can't tell her off later. Mm. <laughs> I can't tell her well done later. I have to tell her now. Yeah. And yes, as she grows older and her brain starts to be able to reverse engineer things and learn from her past, afterwards, she'll, you know, I'll be able to teach her you know, she could bring homework from, you know, she could take her homework into school and the teacher can go, oh, you've done great, except this one. And she still learns. But when she's little, she's, it's not. So yeah, yeah, the the consistency and the, the, like you said, that discipline. I would love to just give Lyra everything she wants at every given second of the day. Mm. But I know I shouldn't. Like yeah. no one has to sit me down and go, right now, you can't just, <laughs> like I can't just let her have everything she ever wants at every given second because I'll create a monster. Yeah. And we sometimes do that with our dogs. Or if we don't create a monster, we just create crap recall. Yeah. Because there's nothing that we have that they want because they get more than they need. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for recall, that's really common. It needs to be such, it's such a high value skill to us. We value it so much. The rewards for it have to be just top tier. And I think sometimes the rewards that they try and give the dog are top tier, but they also get them in 19 other situations during mm. the day. So they're not actually top tier anymore. They're just... 
everything's middle tier. Yeah. So you can't get a top tier behavior because you're rewarding with something that should be high value, like liver or steak or the favorite toy. But the problem is they'll get that later anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, especially when it comes to recall and the difficulty attached to it for the dog in certain situations, they have to know that what they're going to get doesn't come around very often. And sometimes that's just less is more. Yeah. So not everybody, when they get a dog, gets a puppy because people get dogs for, at different times yeah. in their lives for different reasons. Um, but something that people with a puppy will be familiar with is biting. So yeah. the <laughs> next question here is, my puppy is biting us constantly. It's really becoming an issue and it's causing me and my husband to fall out. Yeah. Yeah, been there. Uh, <laughs> me and Amy were, when we got Albus, he was a biter. He was brutal like for the first six hours we got him he didn't bite us and then he didn't stop biting us for the next <laughs> like six weeks it was constant and it's figuring out it i think people worry about what do i do right now how do i fix this right now how do i respond to this behavior and almost inevitably you'll make it worse because like google will tell you a few things <laughs> one of them one of them is you, google tells you make a really high-pitched screaming noise which will apparently like startle the dog and they won't want to do it and they won't want to do it anymore. Now, what do dog toys do when you squeeze them? Yeah, high pitched squeezing noise. Yeah, so which excites the dog. Yeah, so like like just just out of just just as a sort of laugh when me, me and Amy I've said right, yeah, watch this, I'll do it. And obviously went okay. <laughs> and then he just went he got worse for 10 minutes, yeah. which I knew he would, but like I just needed proof. And some of the, the other things I'll say get a toy and redirect them onto that. Now, to Albus a toy is a massive reward. So I'm running the risk of him pairing this yeah. with, I then immediately play tug with him, which is one of the, his favorite things on earth. Or, you know, distract them with something else. You're not going to distract them with anything that isn't a reward. So yeah. you've run that risk of setting a pattern, but usually it's finding out why is that biting happening? Now, two reasons why puppies bite, teething is the obvious one, puppy teeth, you know, they're coming through, which is, you know, it's, it's irritating and then they fall out and then the adult teeth are coming through, which is irritating. And then, and then once they're in, even then they've still got them bed into the jaw. So they come up and sort of bed in, or that's at least my understanding of it. And the, the whole process is just irritating and annoying and they need relief from it. And one of the best reliefs from that, unfortunately is, <laughs> is us because it's squishy on the outside and it's hard on the inside so they can get to the bits in between the gums and the bits that are irritating but then they can still put pressure in because we're tough but then also it tastes and smells like us and whatever we've been cooking and all that so we're, we're just the ultimate chew toy in terms of relieving uh, teething pressure at least uh, teething pains so I we used frozen bananas and frozen carrots with Albus when he wasn't biting us so we made sure don't give him one when he's doing it but try mm. and make sure he gets plenty of those things if he starts to show signs that he's you know he's a bit restless and a bit irritable but then the other side of it and this is where people really get it wrong with puppies is if they're play biting so that's the other kind of biting it's so easy to reward it so quickly and because the play biting your they, they bite your finger or your arm or your shoe or your feet or your dressing gown thingy which is always like a classic and then you get something else and play tug with them. That's how I trained Albus to do most of the things he does. Is he did it, I played tug with him. And if they're doing that often, it's a sign of overtiredness. So they're usually overstimulated or overtired and overtired tends to lead to really easy overstimulation. If you aren't getting that puppy to sleep, now if it's a like an eight to 16 week old puppy, it should be sleeping like 18 hours a day, maybe even more. 
I can no, see the relations to kids here again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the no puppy is sleeping eighteen to twenty hours a day as a as a pet dog unless the owner knows it should be. Yeah. And even then, it's a struggle to do it. And that so much it's key, it's key that they do it now because they develop when they're asleep, and you want them to develop well and not have you know a broken brain when they're older because it didn't get chance to to cook properly mm -hmm. so we want them to be asleep as often as possible which is why i'm a big advocate of crate training because you can put them somewhere with low stimulation give them something to chew on get them somewhere a little bit out of the way in the exact same way that i put lyra in her cot mm -hmm. i need to be really careful now not to say lyra and crate because i've done that before <laughs> yeah. so lyra my two-year-old so I, it's it's easier now but because she's in more of a routine and she's getting older and stuff but when she was like 12 months old if we didn't get the sleep right life was hell yeah so she'd wake up in the morning and we needed to, we had an app so any parents have used like huckleberry the app and there's other ones amazing game changer change absolutely changed my life we figured out when she was supposed to go to sleep and if she went to sleep on that time and it was always spookily accurate she'd then sleep well wake up and sleep begets sleep so the more she slept the more she slept and the mm. more she went down at night mm. she hadn't slept for during the day she wasn't going down at night and me and amy were at our wits end and were, were you know were breaking point whereas if we got it right with the sleep during the day she slept during the night and now people say, oh, my puppy's great during the night, but then they're awake all day. And it's usually what you need to do is just repeat the nighttime routine three times throughout the day for a brand new puppy. And then maybe twice from a few months old and then maybe one nap. And eventually they'll kind of take care of them themselves. Mm -hmm. So like my Albus now, he just naps a lot. He's asleep a lot. He's probably asleep like 16 hours of the day. He's So he's asleep eight hours at night. And then he probably spends half of the waking day asleep. Mm which is about right. But you need to encourage it, don't you? Because like kids, they want to be involved in what's going on, don't they? Yeah. they and they don't have that op that the discipline to have yeah. an op off switch themselves. Yeah. So, so people always say, you know, people are like, I don't want to use a crate. I'm really against it. I'm really against it. I'm like, right, okay. Where do you put your baby to sleep? It's a crate. Mm. It's just a crate without a lid. Like you put them in there because they can't get out. They are safe. And you'll just go and check on them periodically yeah. to make sure they're okay if they're not go going down. And you might even sometimes realize this nap isn't happening, give up on it. But you put them, you don't try and get them to have a nap in the middle of the front room yeah. while you're watching TV and all the toys are around. You just remove them some, from the stimulation so that they find it easier to nap. Na Lyra only naps, like if she falls asleep on me or on the couch sometimes, if she's just goosed. But it won't be a proper nap and then she'll be ratty later. Whereas if we get her down for a proper sleep. So as a, as a puppy owner, if you are finding, and this is whether they're biting you or not. So like Rune, my, my, my second dog, wasn't really a biter. He liked to chew other stuff, but he was never a play biter. He just never did it to us. I think he tried it with Albus a couple of times and Albus just toasted him for it. He was like, no, what are you doing? Get them, because puppy teeth are sharp. Yeah. He just went, no, get them off me. No. And Rune went, all right, cool. And he learned it in one go. Yeah. I, you can't do that as a human. You can't teach that lesson. But what I then I still did with him was made sure that he was getting plenty of downtime in the crate. He was getting plenty of time where he wasn't involved in things. Because if your puppy, people say, "Oh yeah, my puppy sleeps a lot actually," but it's like asleep next to you on the couch, and as soon as you go up for a wee, that nap's gone. Yeah. And if yeah. it was asleep for three minutes, that's it. That's what you're yeah. getting. Now. Yeah, and it yeah. needs to be like an hour at least, yeah. where they, you know, they hit a depth of sleep that helps their yeah. brain restore, and they'll wake up and they'll be way less bitey. Nothing gets rid of it completely because sometimes it's just it's a natural behavior to play yeah. by but you can bring down the frequency huge if you get the sleep right the other thing that i'm thinking there is it's a break for you as well isn't it oh, big time. i mean like it's you know you, you describe i don't have any kids or a dog <laughs> so i i sleep 16 hours a day if i want well i would if i could yeah. um but like nice. you know you, if you've got kids and dogs small dogs small kids all this kind of stuff 
for your own mental health, you need to to, to encourage them or everything you can do to get them to sleep so you get a bit of, yeah. bit of peace and quiet. Me, me and Amy used to nap when Lyra napped. Like, and the, I remember there was once when I had her, sorry, I, have, I have Mondays off, like anyone that knows me, Mondays is my day off. Me and, me and my daughter have daddy-daughter day, so she doesn't go in nursery. Me and her have the day together. It's favourite day of the week. But it kind of wasn't at one point because I was so tired because she'd be up at like half five in the morning. And I was like, as long as I get that nap in the middle of the day, I can at least just go and sit on the couch, doze off if I need to, cry if I need to. Yeah. And I at least get like, and sometimes she'd go to sleep for like 20 minutes and she'd wake back up and I was honestly like, mm-hmm. I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. I was like, honestly on the verge of tears because like, I love this kid, but I'm I'm empty. Mm. I need her to just, and like sometimes I'm like, mum, can you just come and get Lyra for an hour? And mm. like Amy had done the same where we just get my mum to just come and take her out and do something because she's not, well, this is like the, exactly. you said in the question about the you know these these this couple falling out yeah. because it becomes tired, stressed, like you say, out of charge, yeah. and it just that's what happens naturally as a result. Yeah, and if they're if they are like that, they're going to bicker with each other. Whereas if they've got, and I think it's sometimes it's just knowing and having it from someone like me hearing it to say, look, you can put that puppy in the crate a bunch of times in the day if you need to, and you should, yeah, yeah. because it's good for it. Yeah, you don't feel bad. I'm like, oh, I'm locking it up, and it's I a know. punishment. It's not a punishment. It's a nap yeah and you need those breaks for yourself because what you run the risk of also doing right now is ruining the relationship with the dog because it sees you as this high stress high pressure thing Mm. because it's making you that way because it's not getting a break from you and vice versa so it's making sure that you know you're putting it down for the naps regularly and that bit of away time and that downtime because up time's easy let's play let's do stuff let's throw food around let's go for a walk let's go play fetch let's do stuff it's easy the downtime needs to balance the books for that. You can't have constant uptime as a, ba- mm. as a baby and as a puppy. And it's it's that it's it's knowing that I'm doing the right thing. And the dog trainer said so. Mm. <laughs> that so because I, th- I imagine I, I don't know the, the ins and outs, but I imagine at least one of those has said, "Let's just put it in the crate for a bit." Yeah. And the other one's like, "No, I feel really bad." Yeah, might not be the case here, but I know plenty of times yeah. where it has been. And they're like, "No, I don't. It's not set." It, and then yeah. by the time I've explained that to them, you can see the other person go, oh, "Thank God for yeah. that." So I can just put it in the crate. Yeah. It's fine. I don't have to feel bad. And then and you've then, got consistency between the yeah. between the two people doing the right things, all right? Because sometimes you've you've got to manage that dog on your own. You're not always yeah. doing it together. So if one person's doing it one way, one person's doing it another way. Mixed messages yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, if one one of the person one people one person's working from home and one's out of the office all day so it's not bothering them as much so when they get home the other one's like you watch this puppy (laughs) or watch this baby I guess it's the same thing because they've been at work all day but they're tired now because they've been at work all day so they don't want to get home and have to deal with it but vice versa I've had to deal with it all day so I don't have to whereas if you've had plenty of breaks from it and the dogs have plenty of breaks from you it makes you more valuable when it comes to training which is a side benefit but also you don't then want to like strangle your new puppy because you've reached what's a breaking point are you yeah. not thinking like people read home and for things like this obviously like people get to the point where they just I can't and they just break and the pe- they're the people that say I'd never re-home a dog but then you don't know until you're really in it and people will break because mm. it can be so disheartening and like it sounds like they've got a real sort of case on their hands if it's that constant you know you can some are worse than others but this should help bring it down massively so if you've got one that's just constantly got the zoom the zoomies is the big like you've seen zoomies like it's the funniest thing in the world like i love watching the zoomies but i'm also there's a big red flag going off in my brain that's like we need to get this dog down soon yeah because this isn't something that we want happening often even though it is hysterical to watch yeah because it's not it's a sign that that battery is on 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 low power mode and we're we're about to have a 
a crash and the crash isn't healthy sleep it's just emergency recharge we yeah. want proper recharge yeah right let's do one more quick question then because mm -hmm. we're nearly at the top of the hour now um at the end of the hour i should say so my dog won't take food outside how do i train her i've seen tons of youtube videos and tiktoks but they all use food so it won't work for me yeah so food is a fantastic reinforcer now it's not the only one play affection access to certain things there's other ways to reward dogs other than food but i won't deny how useful food is and how versatile it can be it's not the only way to train a dog there you know there's other things that they want so like albus i use something called the pre-mac principle which i'm not going to go into in the five minutes we've got left but it's about access to doing stuff that they want to do as a reward for doing what you ask of them so they might not want food but they want something so can you figure out what that is and build in a, a release cue with your dogs that tells them right you've done what i wanted you can go do what you want so i use the word break if i want albus to sit while we cross the road and across the road is the field where he wants to go run around i ain't gonna give him food for sitting i'm gonna say break and we're gonna cross the road and he's gonna go run wild on the field that is how like it, before we used so much food we training that's how people did it and there was well-trained dogs before food became such mm. a big thing but they're just better now because we can be more precise with food but then the other thing and this, this is an episode all on its own but most people don't know if they're feeding the dog right, the right amount they just kind of have figured out this is roughly what I give my dog or they've said they've gone off what it says on the side of the, the tin or the packet so what you need to do you need to figure you need to google your dog how many calories does a dog of its size gender whether it's neutered or not breed and activity level and be honest with the activity <laughs> level because so many people aren't yeah because they feel bad that they don't exercise the dog as much as they should. And the the weight at the minute, are they overweight, underweight? So there's a bunch of calculators. Allaboutdogfood.co.uk has a brilliant one. It'll tell you how many calories per day that dog should be on as a guideline. You need to make sure that you're not giving your dog more than that because, of course, then they'll get they'll, they'll be overfull and they'll be, too, they'll be spoiled, I guess. But then also, a lot of people don't take out of that the treats that they give the dog for training mm. chew sticks dentist sticks pig's ears bit of leftover from tea they, they don't count those calories in so yeah. they have no idea is the, is the dog getting the right amount and over time that food motivation just dies because they're always just a bit full because i feed them the right amount of food but then i add in just five percent here ten percent here of treats and chew sticks and stuff but then the other thing is does that food get presented? Is it is it down all the time? Are the that free feeding's a killer? Is it down on the floor all the time when the dog does direct access? You've got to stop that because why would they do stuff outside if they can just get fed inside? Make sure that they're not feed, fed at like exactly the same time every day because that can be a killer because they're only hungry at those times because the body's on a clock for it. And then the, if you really want to push it, what I do is start hand feeding pretty much everything that you feed your dog for a few weeks and see if that changes things. And ideally hand feed them at least in the garden or out in the world. And what you'll notice is you'll offer your dog food sometimes and they'll be like, no, I'm not interested. And then you just have to have that little bit of mental resilience to go, okay. And not feed them again for let's say eight to 12 hours while they metabolize, now they metabolize slower than, than we do as far as I understand it. So why, while, while they, they metabolize what's in them and they, they, they burn some of the calories that are there, they'll start to feel this thing called hunger, which they're not used to feeling. And then you're gonna do the same thing in the garden with the food and they're gonna go, <laughs> yeah, go on then. Yeah. And they'll have that bit of food and 
you can then get a bit of a snowball from that but it's mm -hmm. making sure you're not overfeeding making sure you're feeding the right amount making sure the food that you're feeding your dog isn't crap that's a whole episode all on its own and making sure that they don't have just direct access to it all the time because it's the same as the the, the recall question where's the value if they've always got it supply and demand and it totally relates back to human relationship yeah. with food as We're well say that it? a lot it, it totally podcast, yeah really which is are. why i think it's really interesting because i think it puts it into it helps give you a different way of thinking about human behavior but through the through the context yeah. of dogs which i think is really really good so we're nearly at the end so i'm going to do my producer bit now yeah, and uh, try and make sure that uh, we keep it to an hour uh, but do we do we know what's going to be coming up on next week's show yeah, so we've got a few guests lined up. So hopefully we'll we'll have a guest in for episode two who's gonna who's gonna teach us a bunch of stuff that I don't know. So I'm gonna have questions for them. They're gonna give us the answers to my questions, and hopefully it's stuff that you guys at home want to know as well. And we'll try through every question uh, through every episode. I just want to get like two or three quick Q and A questions for the people that have been been listening. So if you've got any questions for the next one, hit them, you know hit them with us, hit us with them, and we'll also try and try and get our guest onto those questions as well see if they've got any insight for them. where do people find you on social media so i'm on instagram tiktok facebook so if you just search nb dog training you'll you'll find you'll find the uh the links there and also on youtube just search nb dog training on whatever platform we're on pretty much everything and you'll be able you'll be able to find us there's tons of useful content on all of the socials well listen thanks for letting me be the first guest on your podcast i've really enjoyed it Yes, yeah, been great. I feel like I'd um, be weird if I was just sat talking to the camera the whole time. Like, I just feel like it'd be a bit weird. It's, I, I want these. I want this to be conversations as much yeah, as yeah. possible. Might have some people on over Zoom. We might have some people in in the studio. We might have um, potentially some out in the world later down the line if that's something that that people want. But yeah, there's there's going to be tons of stuff, and hopefully it'll just keep adding the amount of help that we can we can give to those dog owners and those dogs out there. I think that that's the thing I've taken away from this episode is how much there's going to be yeah. to talk for you to talk about, to learn about, and for listeners to listen to. Yeah, it's going to be an uh, exciting journey. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining in. Really, uh, really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the next one. The NB Dog Training Podcast is hosted by Niall Barnes of NB Dog Training in Oldham, Greater Manchester. Visit nbdogtraining.co.uk for more information about how Niall and his team can help teach you and your dog the skills you need to be safe, healthy and happy. This podcast is produced by QPod, Oldham's only podcast production company. If you'd like to learn more about making a podcast with QPod, please visit kupod.co.uk.